0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com that's business.walmart.com from the mgma in-home studios welcome to the insights podcast i'm daniel williams
1: So patient communication for us is not just calling your patient with their lab results, but it's giving them the tools and the information that they need to make good decisions um, to really give them the ability to feel comfortable communicating with the office in whatever venue um, they, they're comfortable with. So that way we're, we're really creating outcomes that are, that are beneficial to everybody, the health system and the patient.
0: That's Amy Lee talking about the strategy behind patient communication. We'll hear more from Amy about measuring patient communication in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. How much time do you spend in your EHR every day? You could reduce the time you spend documenting in your EHR with accurate speech recognition. Fusion Narrate, powered by Invoke, is a cloud-based speech recognition platform by Dolby. It lets you use your voice to take control of your EHR and start getting time back in your day. It's accurate, easy to use, and highly customizable, allowing you to focus on what's really important: patient care. Visit fusionnarrate.com/mgma to see how Fusion Narrate can speech enable Your EHR. Our guest today is Amy Lee, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Central Maine Medical Group. Amy's here today to talk about the keys to better patient communication, and she'll share tools on how to best measure their ROI. Amy, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: First, let's get a better understanding of your work. What has been your major area of focus during the pandemic?
1: Well, to start with a little background, um, we're a health system located in central Maine. We service a very large geographic area go- that goes from the ocean to the mountains. And Maine has the oldest demographic in the country, and that population is spread over a very large area. And our providers live and work in their communities and experience the same challenges as our patients. So our major area of focus was how to get the appropriate care to our communities and patients in a very safe manner. Um, The way in which we care for patients shifted very rapidly from in-person to telehealth, um, which is a particular challenge in Maine where internet technology is not as readily available compared to other areas. Um, Phone access is a lifeline for many of our patients and so we've had to be able to meet those needs very quickly and very creatively. We leveraged our partner relationships to quickly support a telehealth platform that would meet the needs of our patients, and also expanded our health—or excuse me, our phone services and access so people could reach us quickly. Um, unlike the, most of the country, most of our telehealth is really telephonic. We don't do as many televideos simply because the technology just doesn't exist for our patients. Um, we were fortunate that our patient volumes only experienced a very short term drop, but staffing to meet the patient needs during the pandemic was certainly very challenging as schools and daycares and other services shut down. So we had to be very creative about how our providers could actually provide service to our patients. And so, you know, telehealth and the phone access was what really helped us um, continue that care.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned something earlier uh, this week to me that. You were standing up a vaccination clinic this week. I mean, vaccines and getting people vaccinated is top of mind as we're recording this. Uh, new vaccines are rolling out. More vaccines are rolling out. So mm-hmm. give us an idea. What has that been like this week? What is it? What does it look like to stand up a vaccination clinic?
1: Yes. So we've been running a community vaccination clinic in our hospital on hospital grounds for a couple, you know, since the vaccine came out. And we ran up to 1,100 vaccines a day. However, hospital setting just really isn't the best place to do that. Um, And so we're working with the state, the CDC, EMA, our community partners, and we are actually running, or we will be running, a vaccination clinic in a mall space that was graciously donated by the owner. And so the goal is to provide 1,000 vaccines a day and it looks like we'll be very close to that very quickly. The community has stepped up in an amazing way to to partner with us and communication has been the key throughout that. So we've been able to use tools to speak to our volunteers, to our our staff, and make sure that everybody understands um, the flow and what we need and where we need it. And so it's especially with all the changing rules that has been very um, key in how we are, are handling this.
0: Okay well Thanks for all the work you guys are doing. Really appreciate that. we got to get everybody out there vaccinated, get to this herd immunity. So I want to switch gears a little bit. You are actually going to be one of our featured speakers at MGMA's Pathways Conference. It's going to take place in May. The title of your session is From Call Center to Revenue Center, the ROI of Patient Communications Give us an idea of what your session will be about. What what are people going to learn there?
1: Um, Our talk will be focused on the value that comes from creating access and opportunities by efficient and effective communication with our patients. Um, That just isn't patient scheduling or that phone call, but it's also all the opportunities that come with that for connecting with our patients, their families, and the community. It's definitely an investment that is required to make very effective patient communication strategies. Um, however, the return on the investment for our health system comes from better outcomes, reduced readmissions, proactive patient screenings and care, and access into the care team. So, you know, really that that whole cycle um, and continuum is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I was reading over a description of your session. You talk about highlighting the various day-to-day challenges that people see in a practice. Give us a snapshot of what that looks like, uh, whether that's a challenge in scheduling, referral Mm -hmm. services, pre-registration, whatever you want to talk about there.
1: Right now, staffing and training is a significant challenge. Um, In a state that doesn't have a very large population to begin with, you know, you add in the pandemic and people moving on through education and advancement. And the pool of people that we have to answer their phones and to to take care of our patients is ever changing. So we have to be really creative and work with our partners to prioritize and utilize in-house staff to work on patient-facing roles while centralizing our activities that could be done well in other places. Um, It's the same with referral services and registration activities too. We have to be very creative about how we're doing it so that we have enough people to cover the services that we need to provide. Um, Standardizing the messages and the servicing that we're doing so that no matter where the patient goes within the system, They know what to expect and how to get what they need in a timely manner. And also having multiple avenues to access care and information so that the patient can pick up the phone, log on to a computer, or come in when it's necessary is also very important.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the title of your session, the ROI of patient communication. Define that for us. What, What does that mean?
1: So the ROI of patient communication is not just the financial impact, but it's also the impact on patient care that's a result of consistent, efficient, and creative communications with patients and their family. So that return on investment is truly the outcomes that we get by effectively communicating with our patients.
0: Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you? What When you think about it, you know, not just the formal definition, what does it look mm-hmm. like in really being able to communicate? with patients? Because we've been stressed this past year. You guys have, as you were explaining, you've had to do some different things. It's not just the overall, what we think of as telehealth, but telephonic for you guys, as you were saying, for your uh, patient population. So what, what does it look like for you? What does it mean to you?
1: So patient communication for us is not just calling your patient with their lab results, but it's giving them the tools and the information that they need to make good decisions, um, to really give them the ability to feel comfortable communicating with the office in whatever venue um, they they're comfortable with. So that way we're we're really creating outcomes that are that are beneficial to everybody, the health system and the patient. So you know for our older population, it's doing a pre-visit and making sure that you know, we're preparing the patient so they're comfortable to come into the clinic. And then during their visit, it's talking to them and giving them the services to say, hey, maybe next time you don't need to come in, here's a phone number or here's an online um, link to communicate with us or, you know, all those other different pieces. So it's really meeting the patient where they are and making sure that they understand that we're here and we're, we want to do what's best for them in, in the best way possible.
0: What is the pre-visit look like then? Do you, is that a phone call or are they able to go into your portal? What are they doing?
1: So it depends on which practice, you know, multi-specialty, primary care, that type of thing. But a pre-visit is taking care of all those different pieces that we can ahead of the appointment. So that way, when they're sitting in front of their provider, it's the most impactful visit because they're really talking about what's going on with the patient and not worrying about you know, all the screening information or those other pieces of information that can be gathered ahead of time. So it's making the visit much more um, personal to the patient and the provider.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned the personal side of it. Are you guys, do you do a lot of training then for the front office staff or the other people who are communicating with the patient? So you guys get on the same page, you, you do personalize it. It's not just a name, a number, but what are you doing to, to personalize it?
1: Definitely. So, you know, every clinic is a little bit different, but we try to standardize as much as possible so that we're collecting the same type of information. And so the patient experiences the same type of interaction, but, you know, you really have to also craft that to what the patient needs. So if it's a diabetic patient that's having multiple issues and you're pre-screening so that when they come in, they're talking about those two or three things, that's a very different feel than if they're coming into their cardiology visit and they're just talking about one thing. So, Really, it's empowering the staff and making sure that they have the tools so that they're they're crafting the the conversation to address the needs of the patient.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you script things out, or you you want it to be more improvisational? What's what does that look like?
1: You definitely have to script script things out. You have to do you know with our staff we do some role playing. We do things that they're comfortable asking these questions or asking things that might not necessarily. But have been part of the conversation before, and so I think it's very important that, you know, we teach to a script, but that we also don't say this, you have to go through each point of the script exactly, because the conversation might be completely different or need to be very different and not just what's on the page.
0: Mm -hmm. Did, how did things change for you then when we did have the lockdowns across the country and there was more of that uh, telemedicine element or mm-hmm. telephonic in y'all's case, w- was there additional training to get that communication across to the patients?
1: That's a very good question. Yes, we had to do a significant amount of training, not just with our frontline staff, but with also with our providers. Um, this wasn't something they were really all that comfortable with. I mean, some people were, but not everybody was. So we had to do training that was specific to those providers so that they understood what was going on, how to document what to ask, what you know what pieces that maybe in the past their MA or their their assistant helped them with um, before the you know the provider came into the room that they were now doing while they were talking to the patient. So it was a shift in in how they were handling things. and so it definitely took some a little bit of time to go through and, and set expectations and make sure people were comfortable with with what they were doing telephonically mm-hmm. or televideo.
0: right. Last question on this side of it, then, um, how have you balanced things out now as far as in office visits versus mm-hmm. the over the phone or any kind of telemedicine visit is, has that gotten back to a more normal level, you know, pre pandemic level, or do you still have a good number of people that are doing, uh, kind of handling some of their visits over the phone?
1: It's interesting. The shift that we've seen um, is really, especially in our multi-specialty, like say, for example, endocrinology, um, you know, patients were coming from 30, 60 miles away, and now we can do some of those visits telephonic or televideo. And so where they would have come in before, now they're doing it electronically because they've met their provider, they're comfortable. And if it's a follow-up or whatever, you know, just a, a general question, that type of visit, um, the telephonic or telehealth um, solution has been really good for them. It's expanded some of those multi-specialty services to a much wider geographic area. So it's been really nice. Um, we, we are still experiencing quite a few telephonic visits just because we have outbreaks or we have um, just, well, weather here, and it's been difficult for people to travel.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about KPIs and in measuring this return on mm-hmm. investment then um, what are some of those data points that you've been monitoring really especially closely to analyze if you're doing things the right way where mm-hmm. you still have room for improvements what what are the key points for you guys
1: so patient satisfaction is always the usually a, a the first answer right um, but with something we are very closely monitoring because it is a shift to telehealth that has created a different dynamic for our patients, and we need to make sure that they still feel like we're taking care of them. So we have um, a patient satisfaction survey specifically for telehealth, and we monitor that very, very closely. And on the flip side, we look at how that's impacted our in-person in, in person visits, um, because there's, there's some correlation there, too. And so patient satisfaction, our schedule utilization, both for the telehealth piece and for in-clinic, and that tells us too when we need to adjust from one to the other, provide more visits of one than the other. Um, and on the phones, it's an average time to answer and abandonment rate. Are people, you know, calling in? Especially when um, vaccine announcements come from the state, you know, we start to see a spike in calls. So we have to make sure that we're meeting that need, and the calls are going to the right place. So we're we're really looking closely at at those two measures also.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you analyzed? the in office visits versus the over the phone or the telehealth visits like from a patient satisfaction perspective mm-hmm. what's what's winning out right now who what do they prefer
1: in person they still prefer quite a bit
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but for the the easy follow up type of things we are seeing a shift where our patient satisfaction scores for telehealth are very very high and when you look at the type of visit that's that's correlated with that um, you can tell it's the follow ups it's not those first visits or those, you know, um, high acuity visits that are, people are very anxious about. So Mm -hmm. I think we've balanced that very well. And and we do a lot of adjustment when it comes to what type of visits we want, where. And so, um, our staff have been trained that, you know, depending on the anxiety level of the patient or the type of visit, you know, then it should go one place or another.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything from those patient satisfaction surveys that's surprised you? It kind of jumped out at you when you went back and analyzed the responses?
1: I think, you know, one of the, one of the questions that we see um, talks about the um, responsiveness of staff and obviously with the telehealth that score is very, very high. And we saw a drop in our inpatient and we were trying to figure out, you know, why, why are we seeing that in our clinics? And so we really dove into that and, it was that because we were responding so quickly with phone and our portal, so the electronic messaging going back and forth, that um, there was a little bit more of a delay in service because you know people would make an appointment and they might have a delay before they have their visit. And so as we were talking to patients, they were getting used to the more of a instant gratification type of, of feel. And so we had to be careful and make sure that our response rate for Appointments that were made um, for in clinic visits had that same type of feel for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Give us an idea. Then um, we've been covering a lot of aspects of patient communication. Having been through this, particularly this past year, but even before the pandemic, what are some first steps then a practice can take to to try to begin to replicate some of the things you guys have been finding success with?
1: So, we really we didn't we had to be very consistent and make sure that the tools that we were putting in place were easy to train to because things were changing so quickly. So we had to make sure that it was consistent. It was easy to for people to use, um, that the technology was available. You know we we first thought about going straight to televideo, right? Mm-hmm. and that that's not an option for a lot of people. And so we had to kind of adjust our thinking when we really started looking at our patient population and even our staff, if they're working from home and they don't have internet or whatever else, well, that's not a solution. And so we had to think about those and take some baby steps before you could make the full jump. Um, And we really had to listen to what our patients and our staff and our providers were telling us so that we were addressing what they really wanted and needed to make sure that we were achieving a return for all the hard work that we were putting into um, the changes that we were making.
0: All right. Well, as a final question, um, I'd like to get you to share some ideas with our audience about your, on a more personal level, I mean, this has been a trying year. We know that. It's been difficult. People have had to find hobbies, activities, interest, mm-hmm. anything, to find some kind of balance in their lives to just sort of, as you were saying earlier, to survive right now, to get through things. Um, what have you been doing? What's what's kind of been your go-to to help you get through things?
1: So my, my survival um, is that I essentially try to spend every moment I possibly can outside, away from technology, away from, you know, just all the stuff that clutters up. And so I'm fortunate enough to live next to the water, so I kayak almost every morning, even if it's icy, um, just because it's an outlet, and so that's been really nice. Um, I think another one, it is work-related, but volunteering at a vaccination clinic is such a gratifying thing. Um, People are so grateful, and they're so happy to get in, and it's just, it makes you feel so good, and I watch our volunteers and our staff who are working at these clinics and they leave, at the end of the day, happy. They've worked really, really hard, but they are happy. And they because so many, so many people express their gratitude and they have great stories to tell, and it just feels good.
0: Yeah, well, Amy, thanks so much for sharing those thoughts with us and continued success with your practice and all the work that you guys are doing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Amy Lee. You can hear more from Amy at MGMA's Medical Practice Excellence Pathways Conference in May. For more information, go to mgma.com slash pathways conference. And thanks to Dolby for sponsoring this week's show. Visit fusionnarrate.com slash mgma to see how Fusion Narrate, a cloud-based, speech recognition platform by Dolby can speech enable your EHR. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. slash analytics today.